Hey everybody, I'm Christina Caramo and welcome to It's Solid Food. We are picking up from where we left off last Friday. This is part two. So if you didn't catch Friday's episode, I highly suggest you watch it before you watch this one. I mean, you really don't have to watch it before, but make sure you watch both rather. Because I am talking about the book Color, Communism, and Common Sense by Manning Johnson. This book, again, if you are unaware, was written in 1958, and he was discussing the communist plans for America. He was a former member of Communist Party USA. He was discussing specifically how the communist plan to use and exploit black people is very specifically to usher in communism. So they just saw the racial tension, the economic disparities that existed within the black community, and they saw that as their open door to usher communism into America. And he was laying it out in detail. And we can see exactly the things that he warned us about in 1958 are happening right now. The communists have been at work in America since 1928. People, you don't wait till you have a full-blown disease. You get it out while you still got time. I'm Christina Caramo, and now it's time for some solid food. Food, where we discuss all things in Christian apologetics, culture, and politics. So, just to quickly give you a brief summary of last Friday's episode, when I was talking about the book Color, Communism, and Common Sense. So, as I mentioned, Manny Johnson was a former, mem- former member of the Communist Party USA. However, he realized that they were simply using Black people to usher in communism, that they had no care or concern for the well-being of Black Americans, that it was just all one big ruse. See, the way the communists work is they find a group of people who are in a desperate situation in a particular nation or region. Typically, their focus was the poor, the economically disadvantaged in a country, and then it gets them to incite a communist revolution where they just get the same slavery that everyone else gets. They're in no better better position than they were before. But in America, that was a lot harder to do because of our free enterprise. It's not like we had a feudalist system or something like that. Since we're a nation of free enterprise, it was like anybody can make it. So that was harder to do. However, the easiest opening wasn't economic or class. It was racial. So they went, uh, Stalin in 1928 realized that, hey, the way we get into America, with black folks, the Negro. And so Manning Johnson explains this. Now, I believe, I'm going to guess, the time the book was written, people probably scoffed it and scoffed at him and thought he was ridiculous. Mm, Not so much. (laughs) If you read it now, it makes perfect sense everything he's saying. No way a man could accurately predict what we see now in 2020 and 1958. He knew what he was talking about. So we're going to pick up where we left off. And where I left off at is he was talking about the hypocrisy. And I laugh because he's calling out liberals and leftists throughout this entire book. That's the funny part. Like Manning Johnson was one of the first first people to call out liberals. (laughs) Called them out constantly in the book. But he was talking about how the integration movement was large, not all of it, of course, but a lot of it was more of a communist ruse. They didn't really, it was communists trying to instigate conflict. 
more so than actually having Americans work together as one people. And what was really interesting was Manning Johnson's take on integration, that it should be a natural and organic thing that people should just get along and, and move into communities together because they want to and go to church together because they want to and go to school together because they want to and be friends, what have you, what have you. Not so much using the federal government to compel people to interact with each other because he felt that it was the whole agenda was just to cause conflict and not to have Americans getting along together. And he points out because he said that the communists didn't live by what they professed. So he said, well, they professed that Negro people should go move into predominantly white communities by by like saying you were coming and, you know, we we want to be here and you should accept us. He said, but they never took the same attitude towards living in a black community. He said, because the com the white communists, he said, they would never move into a black community. They never did it because they felt they didn't like it. They felt it was bad. They felt it was unsafe. He said, so they always were very one-sided in their approach. And he, he says, while the white reds were renting apartments and subletting them to Negroes to stir up racial bitterness and hate, such, an exist, such as existed in the Stuyvesant town in New York City, they carefully avoided living in a Negro community. A top white red, in case you didn't know, red is what he calls communist. Okay, a top white red was in the act of moving into the Rivertown housing project in Harlem, but decided against it because, to quote him, a survey disclosed that only five to seven percent of the inhabitants of the project were white families, and therefore that would have been a bad environment for my kids. The white communists have nothing but contempt for Negro communities. Now. To me, this is really important because this ties in today. You see these bleeding heart liberals. We just want to help the Negro. And it's just like, no, you do not care. You know, you guys are simply just co-opting people's frustrations, which a lot of it, the communists have manufactured, by the way. And he talked, they manufactured a lot of the drama we see today. The communists manufactured it. And, and that's the reason why it's so important. The reason why he talks about this so heavily, it's not so much to talk about what do we have to do to fix black America? That's not the point. It's not the point of the video. That's not the point of the book. The point of what he is saying is how communists are trying to enslave America. But this is just the mechanism they are using. So this is not about, oh, we all need to get along and hold hands and sing kumbaya. That's not what this video is about. That's not what this book is about. Again, he is simply explaining how communists are trying to overthrow, or we call them Marxists or whatever, trying to overthrow America. That's the point. He's just explaining how they're doing it and exposing their hypocrisy and showing how the things they claim in public aren't really what they believe. It's just simply a performance for them to get power. Sit. Anyway, he goes on to say that this is really funny. Um, he goes on to say, white comrades going into the mass organizations. He actually is quoting a newspaper, uh, a 1949 newspaper, as a matter of fact, called Public Affairs. White comrades going into the and going into the mass organizations made up predominantly of Negro people constantly shout that we must fight for the for Negro rights. Yet when they meet Negro comrades and other Negro acquaintances on the street, especially in the downtown area, they do not even speak to them. Evidently, fear and distrust of the Negro male is rampant in the Communist Party ranks. When the newspapers reported a case of rape, some of the white women in the party began to develop the idea that they should ask for police protection. Even the despised tool of the capitalist system, the police, <laughs> are good to have around at times, says Comrade. Now, this is so funny to me. If you've seen this multiple times in America recently, in Seattle, Portland, and Chicago, the mayors were all right with these protesters 
rioters, really, right? Clowning and burning and burning things down, assaulting people. They were all fine and dandy in Seattle. They had the chop zone and the police are this, that. And as soon as these people showed up at their homes and their neighborhoods, now they want police protection. Now they want police to help them. It's like, wait a minute. I thought it was the police are bad. Police are hunting black people. But then it's suddenly when you need police, oh, oh I need the cops. And, and that's the, the hypocrisy of it all. So you want police protection for safe neighborhoods, but the rest of the citizens who pay taxes, your salary, and hired you to run a city correctly, they don't deserve police protection? Let me tell you something. Don't complain about these type of corrupt politicians as long as you put these people in office. That's all I have to say. I continue. So that was an excellent point. And I think I mentioned in the last episode, he said the communists, they were so bad that if they needed one of the black comrades to come over to their house, they would either A, ask them to come early in the morning so they would look like help, or B, ask them to come super late at night so no one would see them. I mean, this is this is what he's talking about. They claim they care so much, but it was it was it was just it's pure hypocrisy. Like I said, it's just performance, it's just show. And <laughs> he goes on to say, you know, and, and what's really funny to me is Manning Johnson constantly talks about the phrase Uncle Tom. He talks about it a lot. Um, he has a farewell address. And he talks about it being called Uncle Tom. He's like, I'm simply trying to help my Americans from enslavement under the bloody hand of communism. But I'm an Uncle Tom for trying to help my fellow Americans not be enslaved under the bloody hand of communism. Fair enough. And he just is like, whatever. So another point that he could another point he moves into is the whole point of twisting history. And this is so important. As I talked about in the last episode, how a lot of the problems with the 1619 Project, and so many people are so dishonest. They just don't want to talk about how racism impacts black people. No, you liar. That's what you are. You're a liar because that's not the problem. The problem is, is that you have a part of this project saying that, oh, it was the slave economy that spurred American capitalism. What? That's stupid. Capitalism is the natural human economic system. What are you talking about? And so the same is true. So the goal of the communists is to show that white people are evil. White people are bad. White people, whiteness, but not us white people. Oh, we don't embrace whiteness. Okay. And, and that's the thing. I remember this guy named Tim Wise and he gave this long speech. He's just a, a typical Marxist leftist. There's a difference between white people and whiteness. And so that's exactly what the communists did. They would do the same thing as try to detach themselves from being white and saying that white people are bad, white people are evil. And, and, and the communists have been doing this for years. The whole goal is to get people to hate America. That is the objective. It's not about white people. That's not the issue. That is a distraction. The goal is to get people hating their own nation so they will tear it down with their own hands. That is how you have a mob of white people screaming at other white people, Black Lives Matter. It's because of this, this ruse. This is what he says. And, and this is the thing we have to understand. No group is good or bad. And I'll get into the whole noble savage thing. I was watching it. A piece from um, Joe Rogan where this guy was talking about the um, Comanche tribe, Native American tribe, and the brutality they used against other tribes. And it wasn't because the Comanche tribe is a bad tribe. No, 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 no. It's just people are people are people are people. Goes on. He, he goes to say, prejudice is not limited to any one race. It is common to all. Neither does color or skin determine more or less an extent of prejudice in any particular race. The red propagandists 
distort the facts concerning racial differences for ulterior motives. Again, black people are being hunted. Really? Really? For real? We really going to sit and say that? Again, it's an ulterior motive. And that's what I tell people all the time. And, and I've said this to my friends and people I know for years. Stop getting caught up in the verbiage. See the agenda. The verbiage is, they don't say that. Blah, blah, blah. It's annoying. Okay, we get it. Quit getting caught up in the verbiage. What is their agenda? What are they trying to usher in in response to the verbiage? That should be the focus, not the verbiage. All the right is not on the Negro side. Neither is all the wrong. The same holds true with regards to the white man's side. The repository of good or evil is not to be found in any particular race. Black men are just as good or bad as white men. Yellow men are just as good and bad as brown or red. It, all, it ill behooves anyone to speak about the other. And that is the thing. And that's what the left wants. They want to make everything about race. Everything. There's not a topic that they don't find some way to reduce it down to racial power plays. It's like, and I've heard people say the dumbest stuff. No one has committed evil like America. You are ignorant. Anyone who says that statement is patently ignorant. You know, and I've observed people like they post. These are the books I'm reading for the fall. And all their books are just race, 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 racism, racism, racism. That's all you fix your mind on. Like, this is the book I've been reading lately, Tokyo Vice. So after I finish Manning Johnson's book, I'm reading Tokyo Vice. It's simply about uh, um, uh, an American journalist who go, he becomes a beat reporter in Japan. And he, like, finds this story about the Yakuza and they're trying to, like, kill him and stuff like that. Why am I telling you this? I read about all types of topics. I read... I have books. I mean, I another book I bought was called Water Buffalo Theology. And it was just um, Christian theology, just discussing, you know, depending on where you live or what region you're from, when you read scripture, there's certain components that you might notice more than others based on your background. And so I like to read books from the, theologians from different parts of the world. So that particular theologian is from Japan. Now, why is this important? You have to read and learn about the entire world. When you learn about the world as a whole, you appreciate America so much more. Seriously, when you study world history, when you study human behavior, you're like, wow, America is so awesome because you're comparing it against the world. But when you compare America against the Constitution and say because it hasn't lived up to the Constitution, it's evil. I mean, that's crazy. What country has? I mean, because we're fallible humans. Humans are so full of flaws and contradictions. So when the media, they try to paint this notion that white people are out to get black people. White, white people are out to get us. They're out to harm us. Again, this is all a distraction. This is all a distraction to make us hate our nation. Remember a while ago, Smithsonian had published something about whiteness. They had linked logic. Logic. Christianity. So all the things that make us a great nation, they attach it to whiteness. That way we got to pull down Christianity. We got to pull down logic. We have to pull down this and pull down that so we can pull down whiteness. In reality, it's not about white people. It's not about whiteness. It's about destroying America. Anna Johnson's trying to tell people. You got to listen. Anyway, he goes on to say, white men sold white men as slaves. Black men sold black men as slaves. Black rulers are no more humane than yellow, red, or white rulers. Neither are neither neither are they less brutal. And, and this is let's finish this point. He said, 
the the placing of the repository of everything right and just among the darker races is dastardly a is a dastardly communist trick to use race as a means of grabbing and enslaving the whole of humanity. And, and that's the thing, like people have totally rewritten history. And as I was mentioning just a moment ago, I was watching this uh, thing on Joe Rogan's show and this guy was talking about the Comanche Indian tribe. And it's like, they were just a bunch of tree huggers. That's the way people try. I mean, that's not what the guy on the show was saying, but that's the, the notion, what we call the noble savage, you know, or if you think of like the Mayan tribes, you know, oh, they were just peaceful and just eating their leaves. And then here come the conquistadors. And are you kidding me? If you read anything about the Mayan people, wasn't that peaceful about them? They used to have a ceremony where they would take a human and cut their heart out while they were alive, holding the beating heart in the hand. Did that sound peaceful to you? Come on now. I don't care where you go in the world. People are people are people are people. There's no good and there's no bad people group. It's good and bad individuals. Actually, nobody's good. We're all wretched sinners. <laughs> but you get the point. People are not all one group. It's not people are individuals. When you realize that people are individuals, you won't get caught up in the foolishness. But this whole myth that everybody was just sitting around being nice and peaceful, and there here come the Europeans on these slash and burn campaigns that just destroyed everybody, they forget the caste system in India. They forget what's going on in China. They forget the raping and Nanking the Japanese did to the Chinese. I mean, you can read so many stories of what one group of people did to another group of people. I mean, this has been the story of human history for thousands of years. I mean, and, and for some reason, these liberals, leftists, Marxists, Democrats, whatever the heck they want to call themselves, they want to rewrite all of humanity. That Everybody was just holding hands, hugging one another, being nice. And then suddenly here came the Western Europeans and they just ruled it all. I mean, it's just Marxist propaganda. It's just Marxist propaganda. It goes on to say, Moscow Negro, <laughs> Moscow's Negro tools and the incitement of racial warfare place all the ills of the Negro at the door of the white leaders in America. Capitalism and imperialism are made symbols of oppressive white rulers in keeping with instructions from the Kremlin. And this is so important, as I mentioned before. Notice how at all these police brutality protests, they always mention capitalism. What does that have to do with anything? What, what does that have to do with anything? Nothing. Now, the new thing is, y'all know the police, and this is the stupid Holy Spirit. Come on now, Holy Ghost. You got to help me now because I was about to say a cuss word. Then people say stupid stuff like, you know, the police, they, we didn't have a police force to, to after slavery. So, so, you really going to sit here and say that there was no type of police or no type of law enforcement organization in America? Really? Really? You really going to say that? Notice I just talked about it a minute, moment before they, the communists claimed back in the 40s, saying that the police are just a tool of capitalist oppression. And that's the thing. And then, too, he talked about how they want to lay all the, the responsibility, lay all the blame for everything that that black people all the problems that black individuals have that we may see disproportionately high in the black community at the feet of white people. 
that is very harmful to everybody. Number one, and he'll get into this in a minute, why it's so harmful. And you, you'll be like, oh my God, yes, that's so true. That's ridiculous. And, and that's like when people say the term white privilege as a black person, I find it personally offensive. You are saying that my brown skin is the mark of Cain. That somehow because of my ethnicity, I'm at an inherent disadvantage. That is insulting. I'm quite capable. I don't need uh, a person to hold my hand or to, to help me or hoist me up in life. I'm per perfectly capable of doing things myself. Please and thank you. But there's an agenda to that. He says, to one familiar with red trickery, remember red is communist, it is obvious that placing the blame for all Negroes' ills at the door of white leaders in America is to remove all responsibility, responsibility from the Negro. And that way black people see... And the point is, is to make us insufferable members of society. That's the goal. He talks about that. The whole goal is saying black people possess zero accountability in their life. Everything wrong when a black person commit a crime is because a white, a white racist system made them criminals. You know, everything that you see a black person do wrong is white supremacy is the fault for it. And the whole goal is to make black people absolutely insufferable members of society. That's the, He talks about it. Go ahead and say it. Um, this tends to make the Negro feel sorry for himself, blame others for his failures, ignore the countless opportunities around him, jealous of the progress of other racial and national groups. Notice how you see him in, in the black people complain like all these Koreans and all these Chaldeans and all these Arabs, they got businesses in our neighborhoods. Who's stopping you? Nobody. Nobody stopped you. But see, again, with the help of the NAACP, it's a communist trick. They, they have ran psyop. This is why I notice how they always call about the black leaders. We speak like so, like one person speak for black people. Excuse me? Who died and made you Jesus? Who died and made you God? Were you the anointed voice of black America? Nobody is. We individuals. But the whole point is to make us a collective. Because see, when it's harder to control individuals. It's like herding cats. See, it's, it's harder to herd a group of individuals. Because individuals are going every direction. They're going every direction and you can't control them. But when you have a group, it's easy to control and manipulate people because then you have them all kind of like in a barrel. And you can tell them, think this, think that, think this, think that, think this, think that. That's what's been going on. Think this, that, that way. That's what's good. I mean, I'm telling you, that's why I don't like Black History Month. The whole month is devoted to how terrible white people were to black people and how we rose above. That is the entire premise of Black History Month. It's absolutely ridiculousness. Total ridiculousness. You know what I mean? And 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 think if you notice the black people they focused on are only civil rights leaders. There are so many black people who've been successful business people that you never hear about during Black History Month. There's all kind of fantastic things for America, were war heroes, people who I mean just did all types of amazing things that had nothing to do with the racial oppression. You don't talk about those people. The only people we're permitted to talk about during Black History Month are those who somehow fought racial oppression. That's it. Now, I'm not saying those people aren't commendable and they're not heroes. I'm not saying that. But the purpose of only focusing on those people is to frame this idea in the minds of black children. Because I'm, I'm, you people don't understand. I grew up in a liberation theology church, and I've said this multiple times. When your church talks like this, and your teachers preach this stuff, how are we surprised of what we see going on in the streets? We shouldn't be. Because this has been going on for 40, for 50, 
60 years, 60 years, longer than that. It's been going on. So people have been brainwashed, totally, totally brainwashed. And he goes on to say, to ignore countless opportunities around him. And I told you guys before I talked, man, it's so hard. They just ought to get us. Again, the communist trick is to do one of two things, to make black people absolutely unsufferable to where other ethnic groups do not want to fool with us. And two, to have an army of useful idiots. That is the communist goal. He goes on to say, um, expect the white man to do everything for him. Look for easy and quick solutions as a substitute for the harsh realities of competitive struggles to get ahead. The result is a persecution complex. A warped belief that the white man's prejudices, the white man's system, the white man's government is responsible for everything. Such a belief is the way the Reds plan it. For the next logical step is hate. That can be used by the Reds to accomplish their ends. He told people. That is why you have people nowadays, something bad will happen. It's just a, it's just a white agenda. And I hear so many people I know complain about stuff. It's just a white agenda. I'm like, you idiot. It's an agenda for everybody. Not just black people. There's a Marxist agenda coming for everybody. But you cling to these black leaders who are just Marxist puppets trying to usher you and everybody else in America into pure slavery. Nobody wants to listen to us, right? I'm just the Uncle Tom. I'm just the coon. Okay, fair enough. In their campaign against the white leaders in America, the Reds are careful to point out that this does not apply to the white leaders in Russia. So instead, and their counterparts in America. So what do we see what people do now? I am white, but I don't identify with whiteness. I don't identify with whiteness. Communist trick. And then he gets on to say, now this is the interesting thing he says. The fact that the Reds have never contributed anything tangible to the progress of the Negro is overlooked, though the Reds have collected millions of dollars as a result of race incitement. Like the Communist Party, the NAACP has collected millions of dollars through the exploitation of race issues. What does the NAACP talk about other race issues? Nothing. Nothing. They want every black person to feel like they are endemically at threat, not just black people, Hispanics as well, that white people want to kill us and rob us of every ounce of happiness and dignity. And they want white people to feel like their complexion and their ancestors are the most evil people on planet Earth that ever existed in human history. And they must pay a penance for this sin of whiteness and join the Marxist revolution. And also a point he points out how these groups collect all this money. And I, and I point, we laugh, at, not, not laugh, and I don't mean it at all, oh, this is so funny, but just like, a, oh, this is ridiculous. Notice how now they're doing this, get out to vote. Every time a case of police, of police brutality, this is why we got to vote. Vote for who? Democrats? Or with the people we've been voting for for 60 years? Community still look like hell? Okay, that makes sense. Moving right along, moving right along. And they and he and he talk about it. They don't put a penny towards the communities. And he also discussed how they pushed, uh, oh, and this was another point that he talked about. He, he Just really quick about the NAACP. He said, you cannot find any report of any of this money being spent for factories, shops to provide jobs, land or home construction, specialized training for talented youth, hospitals, convalescent homes, 
classes and sanitation and personal hygiene, care, upkeep of property, combating crime, juvenile delinquency, centers to aid Negro youth in the preparing, preparing to meet stiff employment competition in science and industry. So again, it was never about improving. And, and that's the thing. I go back to the, the W.E.B. Du Bois versus Booker T. Washington. Booker T. Washington was like, we built up the man. Everything else will fall into place. But W.E.B. Du Bois was a communist. So of course, that's not that's not what he's going to focus on. And another thing he talked about too is that with force, again, and he and Manny Johnson makes this very clear. He was he is all for people getting along, work together, being neighbors, friends, going to church together, whatever. He was like, but it should be an organic thing. He said, because with force integration, it shut down a lot of businesses because a lot of people, they were being like, we go integrate, go to the white place, go to the white businesses shop. Well, what about the Negro business owner in your community? Now they're out of business because the people in the community who have money aren't shopping there anymore. He talks about after the forced integration of schools, it's a report that 500 Negro teachers lost their jobs. So these are 500 teachers who are now employed. And he is like, what, what, how is that helpful? And he said this whole notion that in order for a, a, a Negro child to learn, they must sit beside a white child unless they're incapable of learning. He said, that's ridiculous. He said, experience shows that a student's success is determined by how much attention, time, and effort he is willing to put in his studies. So the, the whole goal is that the Marxists wanted people to feel like the key to success for black people was in the hands of white people. And they're trying to hold that key. And therefore, the only way to get the key was through a Marxist revolution. And I, I, I know I'm beating a dead horse, but I don't really feel it's dead. I feel it's still breathing a little bit because people, they just, they don't see it. And it's, and it's just, it's really upsetting. And he goes to say, the main danger and handicap of to the Negro is not the Southern school, but the persecution and hate complex the NAACP and the Reds are trying to create. And they've successfully done so in many regards, because like I said, you go to your average church, you go to your average school, and, and, and it's moved beyond. And again, the goal wasn't for it to start in the black community, but spread around the rest of America. Because, you know, you hear it all the time, all over America, these teachers, conservatives, in America, blah, 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 conservatives in America, blah, 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 blah. So they're all doing it. it this was just the starting point. The whole goal was for it to spread everywhere. You got to start somewhere, right? You got to start somewhere. Okay. And really quick, I wanted to point to, if I had, I think I did, I saved the page. Oh, uh, yes, I did save the page. So, sorry guys. So, um, moving right along, another thing that he talked about was the, um, sorry. So, the other thing that he talked about was really interesting to me. If you read the, the statistics, and these statistics that he lists were from 1957, from 1957, about how black Americans were doing. And... If you read, if you think about it from 1957, from the emancipation to 1957, so we're talking about roughly 90 years, 
So the strides that had been made in 90 years, you would think 60 years, it would have quadrupled considering that the threat of racial violence is something that people don't fear. According to the media, it is, but in reality, we know that's not true. But it's not. The gains have been very slow, but thanks to groups like the NAACP. And I'm going to draw a correlation there for one minute. He says, um, he, he cited um, the James P. Mitchell, Secretary of Labor, reported that the Department of Labor in a recent survey found that purchasing power of the Negro is more than $17 billion. That and that a third of Negro population own their own homes. Negro wage earners, he said, make four and a times half more than what they earned in 1940. He listed an important gains by Negroes in ownership of banks, insurance companies, businesses, civil service employment, and professional, skilled crafts, and clerical and sales fields. In education, he said, Negro college enrollment have increased at a rate six times that of white students, while more than 98% of Negroes between the ages of 7 and 13 are in school. These facts are too, these facts, these facts too are ignored or played down by the leftist missionaries. Man, Jonathan McCall, now leftist since 1957, 58 rather. <laughs> and irresponsible crusaders. In political warfare, it seems a cardinal principle to credit your enemy with only which will hasten and build up for his destruction. So why is this important? When you think about 1957, you had explosion of young black people attending college and a third owned homes. That's 33%. Right now, the, the home ownership rate amongst the black community is 41%. That is not very significant. We're talking about less than 10%, 10 point, a less than 10 point increase. And, and the reason why is because the NAACP and a lot of groups have made a concerted effort, a concerted effort to put a victim mentality into the minds of the black youth. And it's, it's funny to me how a lot of these groups want to just act like, oh, white people did all this. And, and the, whole, the, the funny part, you know, when they point out slavery, is that the Europeans wouldn't have gotten black slaves unless Africans sold them to them. I mean, and that's just the reality. And the NAACP is really no different. They go above and beyond to put a defeated mentality in the minds of black students so they can serve them up to the Marxists on a silver platter to be their useful idiots. That's something people don't want to accept. And, and let's not let the media off the hook because Manning Johnson did not let the media off the hook. He did not. <laughs> he goes on to say, the media of public information is far from free of communists and fellow travelers who operate under the guise of liberalism. American hero right here. They are ready at all times to do an effective smear job. Among these red tools may be found editorial writers, columnists, columnists, news and commentators, and analysts in the press, radio, and television. They go overboard in giving top news coverage to racial incidents fomented by the leftists. And also those incidents that are interpreted so as to show biased attitudes of whites against Negroes. This is a propaganda hoax. Aimed not at helping the Negro, but at casting America in a bad light in order to destroy its prestige and influence abroad. Notice how the media, you saw Barack Obama going on an apology tour, apologizing for America. Are you kidding me? Are you, what are we apologizing for? 
Anyway, uh, casting America in a bad light to destroy its prestige and influence abroad, thereby aiding Soviet Russia in the penetration and conquest of Asia and Africa. In many parts of Asia, the Soviets have been very successful, hence Vietnam, North Korea. And in many parts of Africa, they've been successful. So they again, they don't care about these people groups. They just want world. It's, a, it's another form of colonialism. That's all. It's just another form of colonialism. So anyway, he goes on to say, and so and really quick, notice how our media does that. Notice how if there is a um, a negative interaction between a black person and a white person, and it appears the white person was in the wrong in some way, the media goes out their way to mention it. White woman and black woman. White woman draws gun on black woman. Now, they necessarily are assuming as though, and this is like where, where there's no evidence that it was a racially motivated interaction. I mean, people argue and dislike each other all the time for a, a myriad of reasons that have absolutely nothing to do with ethnicity. But in the media, if it appears that a, the white person was the aggressor, they mention the race. Think about the case where the, the little boy was shot and killed by his neighbor. Like, the neighbor literally shot him and killed him, like, in front of the family. The man who shot him and killed him was black. The little boy was white. You didn't hear You didn't hear the races mentioned in the news. Now, if the roles were reversed and it was a white man who walked up to a little black boy, shot him and killed him in front of his house, in front of his family, there'd been all the news about how white people are hunting us down. What about the case in Minnesota where the little boy was thrown over the balcony at the Mall of America? The man who threw him over the balcony was black. If the roles would have been reversed, we all know. White people are hunting us down. They're trying to kill us. Again, it's media propaganda. Media propaganda, folks, at its finest. Moving right along. In the meantime, the Negro is a sacrificial lamb, the innocent victim of the widespread racial hate which the leftists are creating. The energizing of race hate is an asset to the red cause, the more the merrier, so long as it erupts in cross burnings, threats of loss of jobs, refusal of loans, boycotts, bombings, fistfights, beatings, and shootings. Thus, all racial progress, based upon understanding, goodwill, friendship, and mutual cooperation, built up painfully over the years, is wiped out. White Americans are set against Negro Americans, and vice versa. The stage is set for the opening of a dark, bloody era in Negro and white relations. And, and that's what he talked about. And I mentioned it before. G. Edward Griffin talked about it, how the communists were trying to incite. They had a few little Negro flunkies and they wanted them to go and just start shooting white kids. That way you would have some racist white people who would just start attacking random black people and just inciting conflict. That's what the race, that's what the, the Marxists want. That's their goal. That is, the, think of the easiest sort of pick in America. That's why they go for that. If, if it would have been, they, and now they're doing gender, sexuality. I mean, they're, they're morphing it to other things. But at that time, we didn't have those issues. So now they're just sticking with the good old-fashioned white people are evil. All right. So moving right, right along. Um, also, he, he talked about how, you know, too many Americans are not speaking up. And, and, and people are afraid. People are afraid, and, and the same is true right now. Some people will see me as a conspiracy theorist, but I, I really don't care. He goes on to say, too few Americans in our day have the courage of their convictions. Too few will fly in the face of the leftist opposition. How is that any different today? Look at the NBA have Black Lives Matter all on the floor. Come on. You think everybody, and then they had the whole team holding hands. You really think that everybody agreed to do that? No. But people are afraid of leftists because they're a bunch of bullies. 
We shouldn't be. Anyway, too few will stand up for truth in the face of the ominous and destructive storm of Me Tooism. <laughs> oh my God, Johnson was a prophet, okay? Or the communist ideological reimagination that hangs like, uh, sorry, regimentation, excuse me, that hangs like a pall over our country. Many take the attitude that it's better to be safe than sorry or conclude after a little difficulty or several reverses that if you can't beat them, join them. The words God, country, and posterity have lost much of their substance and are becoming only a shadow in the hearts and minds of many Americans. Folks, 58. That's all I have to say. Look at 2020, and it's a million times worse. And if people would have listened to him, we would not be in a lot of the mess we see right now. I'm upset that I just found out about this man. Like, a, not, I, mean, I think I first heard his name like a year ago, or maybe not a year, like seven, eight months ago. How am I just not hearing about this? That's the shame. That's a shame. And, and he goes on to say, you know, I, I just skip over this part I had in my notes, but he just goes on to say that anybody can make it in America. Anybody can make it. Anybody can make it. Just anybody can make it. But now he's talking about here in this section, this is really interesting, how communists specifically target black businesses. And the reason why... Um, they were targeting black businesses because enterprise was their biggest enemy because the more independent and successful black people are as a whole, it's harder to control us in the collective. And that's the same way liberals are now. They do not want to, I shouldn't say all of them, but they don't want the idea to get out that as a black person, I can be successful and nothing can stop me. They don't want that idea floating around because that's how Democrats get not like 97% of the votes. That's the only reason why. That's how they get their power. But he says this. The Negro, excuse me, the Negro businessman has always been a chief target of the Reds. They despise him because of his conservatism. Mm. They label him a tool of white imperialists. Think about that. And an enemy of the Negro masses. So, again, this whole Uncle Tom thing, how Clarence Thomas was ignored at the Smithsonian African American History Museum, it's been going on forever. Black conservatives have always been targets because the easiest way to get black people to the left was saying the white people are out to get you, blah, 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 blah. But black conservatism, um, well, not just black conservatism, but conservatism is like, well, no, this is how you get successful. And it's, it's a harder road, but guess what? It pays off bigger in the end instead of just sitting there being blaming other people for all your problems. They label him a tool of white supremacy, white imperialists. They didn't say white supremacy, they said white imperialists. Interesting. And an enemy of the Negro masses. Oh, I've been called a coon so many times. It's cool. I don't care. Such labels are reserved for those the Reds plain plan to liquidate. And since the Negro businessman is an inspiration, an example to other Negroes to take advantage of the countless opportunities of the free enterprise system, he is therefore an object of derision by communists. An enthusiastic response of the Negro to the appeal and opportunities for Negro business is the cardinal bulwark against communism 
free enterprise. Consequently, the Reds seek to discredit, discourage, and liquidate Negro business. And, and, and you can't help but wonder and think, was that part of the agenda with, because they knew that their forced integration model was going to put a lot of black businesses out of business. And I think that that was part of the plan. They didn't want black business to thrive. They didn't want black people shopping at businesses in their community because then you, if you did, that would build the local economy and then it would build a more harmonious society with all Americans of all creeds getting along. It's not what the communists want because like he said, the Negro businessman was a servant inspiration. That's why I said I don't like Black History Month. I can't stand it because all it does is rehearse people and it just who fought racism and just rehearse racism. There's tons of Black people who are very successful and contributed lots to society. Did lots of wonderful things. Bankers, all the sorts. I don't care about these people because they serve as inspiration and encouragement. Because if I hear a story of someone who lived 80 years ago, or not more, 90 years ago who rose the ranks of society and did exceptionally well for themselves, if I, if I hear something about that and, and they had a real threat of racial terrorism and me living in 2020, I'm like, if they can do it, why can't I? See, they don't want that attitude going around. They wanted to burn the system, burn America. America needs to be turned down, tore, tear it down. They, that's the attitude they want. And then it was really funny. He told the story of this luncheon he went to. It, it, it was just absolutely hilarious because his whole point was is, is it caused mass problems. I said before, a lot of black businesses, hotels, all kind of caterers, they, they lost their businesses because the left pushed so hard is don't shop at the black business. Go at the white business. That's what you need to do. And so a lot of these businesses, they just, they just went out of business. They, they just went out of business. And it was really, really... Um, it really disheartening. Um, and I'll leave it there because the rest of it is him just more elaborating on that and him complaining about W.E.B. Du Bois and just him, you know, just saying how wonderful Booker T. Washington was with his philosophy of training and education and building families and strong communities and financial literacy. That's the tool. Um, whereas the NAACP and um, W.E.B. Du Bois um, were all about Marxism. That's what they were all about, Marxism. Now, what do we do? The first is to educate yourself on what's actually happening. The second thing is to speak up. And, you know, I've talked to people face-to-face um, I just think of where I live, our chairwoman is Cuban. And I was just talking to her last week, you know, and she was telling me about what it was like, you know, for her family. Cause she was, she was born here, but her parents escaped Cuba under Castro and what it was like and how at first, you know, people thought he was great and he seemed nice and blah, blah, blah. And come to find out the dude was a total monster, you know, and, in the different uh, conservative groups. I mean, these aren't people you can just say, Oh, you don't really know these people. These aren't people I just like didn't didn't know like these are people i've talked to face to face from china another woman i forgot i think she's she's from a country in eastern europe a former a former communist country and there was, that was a country with a part of the ussr and they just tell you these stories of what it was like living in these countries and they try to warn people and tell you and it's like americans are like capitalism is evil 
capitalism is evil. Or they're holding their sickles and hammers. It's like, are you on drugs? They're just extremely ignorant. And this is years of Marxist indoctrination in the schools. And like I said before in the book, he was basically, and this isn't about, his book isn't about how to improve black America. That's not what the book is about. His book is about how communists are purposely trying to depress black people. And this is the funny part, is the people who claim like they don't want us to get together and they call about conservatives. They don't want us to get together. They want to keep us down, blah, 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 because they want to, they don't, they don't afraid of our power. Y'all, shut up. What I think about you? You just useful to the communist cause. That's all. You just useful to the cause. And that's what his point was just explaining how their their mechanisms and what they were doing and and as and when you read it you can see how it played out today and it's like wow this really makes sense and then you can see how communists are coming after other groups of people as well and and the women to like playing women against women and it's just always this us versus them and to me you know some could accuse me of playing the us versus them i mean but it's i'm not because it's not like a, a fictitious thing such as race and gender i'm talking about an actual ideology that person to a person chooses to adopt that our students have been indoctrinated with for years like i remember i had a multicultural communications class and we were learning about like the school of the americas and in central and south america and all kind of other stuff and it's just like of course america is not perfect because anything ran by people is gonna have deep flaws of course our our country has engaged in bad things um, but we are no worse to me than any other nation. And in order for you to say we're so significantly terrible, you still have to point me to something that's so much better. And I remember on Facebook, I had posted something like, since people act like America is so terrible, please tell me a country that's better. No one answered me. Now I got answers. I got answers from people who like, yeah, they're not going to give you an answer because they can't. And no one could because there isn't one. And I just want you guys to take listen to these words of a G. Edward Griffin. He hesitated for a moment, and weighing his words very carefully so as not to hurt our feelings, he said, You know, I came to America expecting to find a nation of free men. But instead, I find exactly the same thing. Everywhere I look, I see men and women who know that communists are making headway in this country. They know that something must be done and that someone must stand up to them. But they themselves do nothing. They remain silent because they're afraid that if they speak out or take a stand publicly, it'll be bad for business. They may lose a client. They may even lose their jobs. Or perhaps they're receiving a regular government check and already are too dependent upon some of the very people and programs they know they should oppose. And then he said, these men voluntarily have gone behind the Iron Curtain. They're already taken over by the communists. The only difference is that for the present at least, they can still get out any time they really want to, and we could not. I think there's a great lesson to be learned from that because it's true, isn't it? There are many men who are physically brave beyond any question when it comes to standing up against a tyranny that threatens with armies. 
Some of them carry the actual scars of battle to prove it. But when it comes to this new kind of war, they're lost to the fight. When there is no battlefield, when the weapons are not rifles or bombs, but economic pressures, then who is your enemy? How do you fight? Where do you begin? It's precisely for these reasons that any modern dictatorship must have control over the economic sphere of all human activity. This was true of Nazism, it was true of fascism, it's true of communism, and it's also true of socialism. Regardless of what name we give it, total government control is by definition totalitarianism. That's what the word means. All right, I see. All right, I see. His, that, his talk was also good. And it tried so hard to convince us that this is not a big deal. They tried so hard to convince us that we should just give ourselves over to the communist system because it will uh, fix everything. And we even use the term like cultural Marxism because that's what they do with the culture. You know, in Kroger, at Kroger, that they at Kroger, they had these employees, they had like these rainbow stickers for Pride Month or buttons they wanted everybody to wear. And a couple of the, the Christians there said, you know, we don't feel comfortable wearing that because we don't agree with the movement. Now, I mean, we, we, we're in, and they even want to say we're fine to buy our own apron, but we just don't want to wear a button for a movement we don't support. Kroger fired them. Kroger fired them. And this is stuff that's been going on. A lot of these companies, they are just so caught up in the, in the, in the, in the Marxist Kool-Aid. And see, this is the way it's being repackaged. Because first, it was like, and this is a quote from Manny Johnson I forgot to mention. He said, the communists have planted the idea don't do anything for yourself. Just fight and yell and scream and demand everything. Um, and that's the way. So first, it was racial focus. Now the LGBT community is being used in the same regard. You know, women are being used in the same regard. Immigrants are being used in the same regard. It's just, it, it, it's not the group. That's not the important part. It's the agenda behind it. That's the important part. Because you have people running in droves to vote, fight, uh, vote for these leftist candidates, even though their ideas are horrible. You know, you have people, gay people, who will run and vote for these Marxists. Like, what makes you think they'll be so good to you? Just because they sit there and, and swing rainbow flags and throw glitter, that don't mean they care about you. That is just the rules. It's just the front. And as they push, like, like um, I forget his name. Uh, the, the senator from South Carolina... Oh, my goodness. Uh, what is his name? Uh, James Clyburn. I think he's straight-up communist. I've been looking at it. I don't have no evidence. I think he's straight-up communist because he was talking about how they could use the coronavirus as an opportunity for them to shape things in their vision. And then he was on um, Neil Cavuto on Fox talking about, we're going to raise more taxes. We want the rich to pay their fair share. We want them to pay more. We want them to pay more. And it's like, wait a minute. These are the people who create jobs. I'm still waiting for somebody to tell me that they were hired by a broke person. I'm waiting to figure that out because the people you want to punish are the ones who create jobs. So, I mean, this is just stupid. But but they are so consumed with their communist vision that people ignore that because they claim to fight all these other social issues. And that's just the cover for the communism. Like I said, the social issue is the cover for the communism. It's all it is. It's just a cover that they want to usher us into totalitarianism. 
And it's going to require for Americans to speak up and to get involved. That is the only answer. There's there's no other solution. Just speak up and get involved. If you want to sit back and complain, then you know what? You need to just be quiet. If you you got to do something, even if it's you just talking to friends and family members, bringing these topics up to them. I know everybody is different. I am a person. I will get in front of a hundred. I will get in front of ten thousand people and speak. I do not care. I just that's just my nature. I will go out and I will door knock. I will go out and I will talk to people. I will go out and participate in events. We got one month left to the election, and I have events like four days a week. You know what? That's me. But guess, guess what? Guess what? You don't have to do that, but you can do something. You can educate yourself. You can talk to your family. If every person watching this video just did your own research, read up on these things I'm talking about, you just read this book, go and read Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto, go and learn about uh, rules for radicals, and look at the from Saul Alinsky and read the uh, policies that they're passing and look for the things they're advocating for. Just like in California, now they want a new bill that they, the governor signed into law that all people have to do is self-identify regard to the gender. And that's the prison they put them in. So now you're going to have biological men going in a women's prison because they call themselves women. You'll have so many men pretending to be transgender just to get close to women and have sex with them. We already know that. That's common sense. That's common sense. These are the kind of things that people are doing. Just educate yourself. If you educate yourself and donate money to a candidate, support the candidates. If you do those things, even if it's $25, $10, whatever, something, help help out these local candidates. Get involved. On Even on the smallest level, you're doing your part, no matter what that is. So remember, everybody, that unity and free enterprise are our best weapons against Marxists. And even more important is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our number one tool against these Marxists who want to enslave us all, no matter where you're from, who you are. It's all about the party. And they, and you're not in it. You're not in it. All right, everybody, thanks for checking out Solid Food. Remember, I'm on all major podcast platforms. It's Solid Food. Check me out. Leave a review. Share this episode with friends. Also, you can check me out on Facebook at the Christina Caramo Project, YouTube at the Christina Caramo Project, and on Instagram at Caramo the Great. That's Caramo the G-R and the number eight. And remember to be brave and bold because the gospel of Jesus Christ must be told to Oh,